feel aimless. You can't see the places where you belong, but you will find that there is a purpose. It's been there within you along. My Kimmy. I had a nice little place for myself and my daughter. I've described it once before, but now I'm going to try again. It was a very small two-story condo. It could have been called a townhouse, whatever. Downstairs, you'd walk into the door immediately to your left was a beautiful couch that I had found. And across from the couch, there were three bar stools to the counter there. And then on the other side of the counter, obviously, was the kitchen. Now, if you're still at the front door and you look straight, I had, um, you would see the dining room. I painted everything white. I needed to, to look bigger than it was. So I needed it to be as bright as possible. The windows to the right, there was like a two windows, and I put regular I don't know what they're called, those slat things that you use, everyone uses in their apartments. Yeah, those. And I also put three sconces. Now, what are those? Those, those, well, Google it. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, I put sheer curtains and I draped them over the sconces. Get it? Make it look nice, nice. And then, on the far wall, past, so you're in facing inside and you're looking at the windows on your right-hand side and then straight ahead is the dining room table on that far wall was a big mirror. I had to make it look bigger than it was. And, of course, it had gold trim around it. You know, make it look expensive. It was pretty. It it was like it came out of a magazine. I had time and I had a little bit of money. I wanted to make it nice. I didn't know I was going to have a flop house. A flop house. Flop house. Anyways, the sofa, we're looking to the left again. The sofa was white with gold speckle in it. And then a coffee table, of course, it was glass. And then a black frame holding the glass. Okay, and the dining room table, well, I had these two white stucco-looking things that looked like hourglasses, and they were bracing 
I guess you'd call them braces, and they were holding up the two-inch piece of glass that was the dining room tabletop. Okay, so I'm trying to give you a visual. So you could see through to the floor and the carpet, you know, all around. Everything was carpeted. And it was plush, and it was like a beige. It was pretty. And then, on next to the sofa on the far wall, were the steps going up with carpet, light green uh, cream again, with the banister and slats were metal, and they were also painted white, and the. Bar stools, remember the coffee table braces were black, and the bar stools, three of them, were black. So when you arrived at the top step, straight ahead of you was the bathroom. And I don't need to explain a bathroom to you. You've seen enough. It had all the amenities. There you go. And if you made a right, take four or five steps, you'd be in my daughter's room with a wall of closet and then two beds with, um, what do you call it, uh, and a dresser. Okay, you've seen enough bedrooms. Okay, and then back at the top of the steps again, if you made a hard right instead, you'd be in my room. That was our home. We didn't need anything else. It was just her and I. So I thought. My daughter was a senior in high school. She played varsity basketball, and she was good. She really was. She was She had been playing since the fourth grade, third, fourth grade, and she was good. And many, many times I would have the team sleeping in the front room floor in that tiny place on the couch under the, what do you call it, um, uh, the dining room table, the whole place would be, you know, girl basketball players from the party from the night before, you know, and they'd all be there. And, um, well, in the morning, of course, they would want me to make them breakfast. Have you ever made breakfast for 20 screaming girls? Ugh. While they were all draped all over your front room, under the tables and everything. Oh, my goodness. And a sight to behold. No kidding. It was so cute. Can you tell I love being a dad? I really did. So I did what any wise father would do. 
I would sneak out of the house. And believe me, I got good at it. I'd go where? You already know the answer. To McDonald's. And I'd come home with breakfast. I'd come in and I'd slam the door and I'd start banging things around until they all started waking up and wiping their eyes and yawning and doing that thing that you do with your arms, you know, like that. And then I'd say, Danielle, get some of your friends and go to the car now, please. Did you get us McDonald's again, Dad? Yep. You think I'm going to cook for 20 girls? Are you crazy? (laughs) Anyways, that's between me and you folks. And they all go running out to the car half asleep and of course I left it open so I didn't have to fight them I want this this is mine take this I know you like that they were good girls they really were we didn't have any of that you know clicks not in my house if they came to my house I was strict enough when they first met me they knew my rules And then after, they could, you know, butter me up. But when they first got there, you know, that kind of thing. Your dad's scary. Oh, he's just doing that to, he, wait. And Daniel would say, just wait, you know. And then after like two, three games, they all got to know me. And they'd say, okay, Mr. Whatever my name was, you know. Anyways, and uh, they all called me Mr. or Gabriel. I didn't care, you know. They were at the point that they were going to be young ladies out in the workforce. They couldn't be scared of nobody, and I tried to help them as much as I could. You know, it wasn't my job, but... I wanted to know that there were good guys out there too. I I have a kids everywhere, young ladies, I should say, and of course, my neighbor behind me. She was probably seven seventy years old at the time, maybe seventy five. She'd hear the commotion, and she knew what was going on because I had them over there so much. She would come over and have breakfast with us. Real nice, real nice. Marianne. And she would, like I said, she was 70, 75, let's go with that. And she would always be dressed to the nines, always beautiful makeup and Even when she came over in her robe, she'd have one of those headbands on, and it was beautiful, like she was a movie star, and she didn't want me to know about it or something. There was a lot of them uh, retired there. And always, I never saw her without it. So... There was a theater down the road from us about three miles. 
we lived three miles from the best way to explain it so you will understand it is Rodeo Drive. You've heard of all you folks have heard of that. Well, in Palm Desert, it's called El Paseo. And it was like the Rodeo Drive, okay, of the desert. And believe me, many, many times I saw Arnold walking down with Maria and all that. And anyways, so Marianne had these season tickets to the theater down there. And um, it was called um, McCallum Theater. And the only problem, though, was with these tickets. She had two season tickets, and she had no one to go with her. So she'd come over. At first, she was shy about it. And she'd ask me, would you like to go to a concert with me? Um, And I would look at her like, you still go to concerts? You know, that's, I knew about plays and everything. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been to many, many plays. But when she would say a concert, it wasn't what was in my mind. Okay. So she expounded on it and she explained it would be more like a opera. And I would say, I would be honored to go with you because I knew she had no one else, you know. And then it was a thing we would do once a month or twice a month, depending on what came. I saw some beautiful plays. I saw some beautiful concerts. And not the kind of concerts you're thinking of, operas, plays, cultural events, uh, speeches by people. And I really enjoyed my time with her. And then there was my Kimmy. And my Kimmy, that's what I always called her, my Kimmy. She was my ex-wife's next oldest sister, right above my ex-wife. And she was married to an executive chef named Jerry, good-looking man. He was even a better chef. He really was. He was so very good. And I didn't realize how good he was. We would go and visit him in Montana before we go to Chicago. So we would, honest to goodness, take almost a thousand mile detour just to go see them. And um, then on to Chicago for our business because we had time, you know, to get there. And some of his creations, I was astonished. I really was. And one time, funny story, and I know this is going to go long, 
he was um, taking care of a lodge, and it was probably September, because we'd go and see them on the way back, too, to Palm Desert. And we would do that every year. I'm going to make this real short. He had a lodge that him and Kimmy were taking care of, and it was all done in the 70s, shag carpet, all those. It was gorgeous. I mean, just like nobody had touched it in time. And then there was a mountain across the road, and it was like a grass field mountain. One day, Jerry screamed at me, and he never screamed, ever. He said, look up, look up. And the whole mountain was a herd. I mean, probably thousands of elk going across. It was beautiful. It's like you hear when they say it took two days for the buffalo to pass so they could keep on the trail. That's what it was like. It was the coolest thing I ever saw in my life. Okay, but they broke up for whatever reason. That's not important. What's important is Kimmy started hanging around, okay? And I mean day after day after day. And to me, I loved her. She was family. And I loved her as a sister, you know, and um, like I said, she was family as far as I was concerned. She could do whatever she wanted. She could do no wrong. She was family, you know. And now remember, there I go saying that word again, remember. Tracy had moved on and married that guy that screwed us and the other episode Tracy has evil has no boundaries okay so she married that guy but for some odd reason I still had respect for her she was the mother of my children and I had not realized how deep that knife was in my back how far she had stuck it in there I really didn't care because I was enjoying my own life. Who cares about her? But Kimmy came into my life. Kimmy needed me. And I was so moral. And I I was so... Uh, I wish I had the words for this. Respectful. And I didn't... I could never, ever, you know. And one day we had a heart-to-heart after about three months of her just hanging around. And when I say hanging around, that don't mean just hanging around. Like if you listen to Tasha Part 2, Saving Tasha, we would dance three times a week and I'm telling you, that girl, I couldn't wait to go dancing with her. She was that good. She took direction. 
that well. And man, what a day. She made me look good. And that's that's a feat within itself because I used to dance before it was cool. Before all these other people that are dancing now, I was the one out there by myself sometimes dancing and people go, you know, and that kind of thing because I love to dance. You know, I had rhythm. And how do you get rhythm? Close your eyes. Real simple. Turn out all the lights. Put on a song that's rhythm, not something stupid. Rhythm. And turn out all the lights and feel the drum. That'll get you started, folks. She could tell me anything. I could tell Kimmy anything. We were that close. I really trusted her. And as far as the rest of the family, they ousted her. Well, Kimmy had some problems. and But I wasn't going to stop loving her because of her problems. You know, she was still... She was looking for love, that's all. And I had so much love that I was dishing out. It was hard for me to give her as much as she needed. She really needed more attention than I could give her. I was too busy with... Remember, Tasha was living with us now. Joanne was living with us. And Danielle and... You know, Danielle had friends, too, that needed my attention. Every, and Marianne needed my attention. There was even a lady across the alley, um, Dana. I think her name was Dana, yeah. And she would come over and tell me about her husband and how he left her and she was on her own and... <sighs> I was a busy man. Anyways, until, to me, this is how I am. To me, if someone don't tell me, to me, it's none of my business until they feel ready to tell me. That's just the way I work. Anyways, So we got to talking one evening. It was probably winter, probably February out. But in the desert at night, it's beautiful. What a beautiful night that was. Beautiful. And we're sitting outside where the people usually smoke. And if you listen to the other episodes, you know, I made a bench out there with a red bucket to smoke. Okay. And she said to me, Gabriel, I love you. Aw, I love you too, Kimmy. You're my Kimmy. And I hugged her. And I probably kissed her on the cheek. I did that a lot to her. No. I'm in love with you. I said, oh no. 
Oh my God, Kimmy. I can't love you that way. I would love to, but I have so much respect for the mother of my children, even if she doesn't have it for me. What I didn't know at the time, she she wanted the same, what's the word, that Tracy had with me. Commitment, love blinders, passion, romance. She had never had that. Kimmy, my Kimmy. And she saw the, me give that to Tracy. And of course, Jerry never gave that to her. Jerry was 15 years older than her when they got together. I would have loved to give given it to her. And knowing what I know now about Tracy, I would have, I should have, knowing what I know now. And where Kinney, Kimmy ended up, I wish I would have. I loved my Kimmy. She was willing to do anything for me, loving her. Just anything. She just wanted love, you know. And she had seen me through the years what I gave to Tracy. And night after night, she'd sit on that couch, just stare at me. Kimmy, what are you doing? Nothing. I said, get over here. Come here and help me. I wanted to make her a part of things, you know. And, and you know, she already, she would jump up. And I wasn't looking for love. You know, I was surrounded by love. You know, I told you, Tasha, Joanne, my daughters, uh, even my other daughter would come around and, I wish it was a good life. And Marianne in the back, we had a special knock uh, for her to come over in the morning. Honest to God, I would make breakfast. I'd go upstairs and I'd knock on the bathroom wall, a special knock, and she would come over for breakfast. She knew it was ready then. I mean, every morning, what a life I had. And I had my Kimmy, and I wish to God, I wish to God I would have heard her cries for help, and I didn't. I love you, Kimmy. Hey, Ma, please. Quiet, I'm trying to do a podcast down here.